Missionary's Perspective. Hello and welcome to this edition of Paris Perspective with me, David Coffey. And this week we're going to take a look at the future of jihad following what was a month of upheaval. From the fall of Kabul on August the 15th, the reopening of the Guantanamo trials ahead of the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, and here in Paris, the eventual opening of the trials for those suspected of committing the 13th of November 2015 Paris attacks. So it has been a very stressful month for many people when it comes to looking back at the past, present and what could be the future of international jihad. Now, in the studio with me today to take a look at what lies ahead of us uh, in the future and the future of international jihad, I am joined by Wasim Nasser, who is a broadcaster, journalist and author. And he joins me here in the studio today. Wasim, it's great to have you here Thank on you. Paris Perspective. Thank you. Um, so first, you are indeed a specialist in radical movement. Um, well, following the fall of Kabul, you listen in on the chatter on the internet that comes from these jihadist circles. What was the chatter since the fall of Kabul on the 15th of August? Many said that a lot of the movements were emboldened, that this was the work of God and they were ready now to fight. Well, actually, movements who uh, belong to Al-Qaeda or sympathizers of Al-Qaeda were emboldened, as you, as you say, because they think that this is the proof that through patience, uh, through uh, armed jihad, but also through uh, negotiations, they can achieve uh, what they want, so they gave back, uh, they brought back to life the Islamic Emirate, knowing that all affiliates of Al-Qaeda itself and Al-Qaeda Central have an allegiance to the Islamic Emirate of the Taliban. So they were emboldened, and in comparison with uh, Islamic State sympathizers, for example, um, uh, they assume that the fact that the Taliban took back Kabul is a sign of God, mm -hmm. meaning in comparison with the Islamic State, who lost its territorial caliphate in the, in the Levant, and uh, its leaders were killed by the, by the coalition. Since Al-Qaeda, since day one uh, of the creation of this caliphate in 2014, they consider it illegitimate. Myself, I got to uh, ask a few questions to a prominent leader of Al-Qaeda in the Arabic Peninsula, and he was first to tell me since 2014, they are illeg illegitimate and uh, Baghdadi at the time is an imposter. Mm -hmm. So Al-Qaeda is happy, the Islamic State uh, isn't happy. Isn't happy. Now, you have a, uh, a, a broadcast um, that is going out uh, on France Info and France 24 uh, at the moment called Pas de Quartier. Uh, and this really looks into working class neighborhoods mm. here across France. Um, this uh, one question that one asks when looking at, 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 at this program, it's about the youth, the disenfranchised youth here in France. Um, what have you discovered, especially now that these trials with Abdeslam have mm. opened here in Paris, looking at Abdeslam being mm. the only commander that survived uh, those attacks, that didn't die in those attacks, who is now in court here mm. in Paris. The people in the banlieue here, what do they think of his of his arrival in court and how he has handled himself? Well, actually, they don't feel a lot uh, concerned. Mm. Uh, they don't. They're not. They're not even following those uh, those trials. Uh, I don't. They don't feel concerned at all uh, with those with those trials. That's mm. what I could. Uh, what I could. Uh, what I could sense. Um, on the other hand, uh, of course, we had the, the media fuss at the beginning, mm. at the, on the first day, and everybody was looking for the what's Abdeslam going to say or whatsoever, but it's going to last nine months. So it could develop depending yeah. on what he says or doesn't say. But 
if we want to make a, a point, point of comparison, for example, mm. many people were concerned by the Charlie Hebdo uh, trials, mm. by the, the uh, cartoons, the prophet, etc. Here we are talking real about core Islamic State sympathizers. So everybody's not really uh, feeling uh, feeling concerned. Mm. Now, what indeed have you found um, when you've been out in these, what I noticed, the troubled suburbs of mm. Paris? I mean, one big issue has been since 2015 is really for the government policy to try and tackle extremism in France. Have those policies worked? Has extremism been tackled in France in the last six years? Well, it depends. Uh, how do you look at it? If uh, we are talking about uh, disengaging people from violence, it worked mm. in a sense, but when you look at people who are uh, uh, committed or attracted by jihadi uh, ideology or propaganda and mostly Islamic State sympathizers, they are not uh, at all uh, touched by those uh, kind of uh, of, uh, of measures. Mm. Uh, and still, uh, we uh, are seeing less attacks uh, here in France. Sure. We are seeing less attacks and we are seeing less uh, people... Uh, uh, like uh, putting up uh, plans or crews mm. to uh, commit attacks, and this is uh, because of the work of the uh, of the state, uh, of course, and because also um, uh, even if the ideology is still living, uh, but the what was happening in 2014, 2015, like the territorial caliphate and being at reach. This kind of it being at reach isn't actually uh, today the case. So it's less appealing. It's less appealing. So, I mean, in the run-up to 2022 elections here in France, I mean, what you've, uh, a kind of a key word or sentiment that you have uh, still evoked since we began our conversation uh, today is um, they're disengaged, they're not interested. Mm. Who exactly is there to represent Muslim youth in the politics of France in the run-up <laughs> to this election <laughs> next year? Well, uh, actually, uh, I don't know, because there's no... Um, there's no actually, core in figure. France, in France, there's no Muslim vote, mm. Mm. okay? Unlike uh, other countries, there's no Muslim vote in France. This is like a myth, the Muslim vote, because Muslims vote uh, either on the right or even on the, on the left uh, of the political uh, spectrum. And if you talk about uh, banlieue, for example, uh, what can be considered as Muslim vote, the majority votes for Mélenchon. Mélenchon, mm. which is far uh, far left, far left yes. uh, you see. But at the same time, uh, if you talk about uh, participation or going to the polls, still it is very, very low. So many people don't even bother, don't even go to vote. And what about the, the role of this famous Islam de France or French Islam that was really kind of this construct of the secular society? Has that made any impact in bringing, a, let's just say, a more mainstream Islam uh, well, to, the, to the country? Well, no, because the aim ain't political at mm. the beginning. The aim is to uh, try uh, to monitor uh, any uh, extreme uh, uh, appeals through this, uh, th those measures of French, uh, uh, French Islam, but it, it didn't work out. Actually, mm. it's still a project that that didn't didn't work, out, and I don't know even if it's gonna work out. But because, as off, you know, yeah. as you know, whenever the states uh, get involved in such issues. Usually people uh, don't follow. Yeah, it's, it's because it's too mainstream. I mean, they need, they need something because to fight against. Because there's yeah. a state behind it. Yes. You see, it's, it's, when it's .gov, it doesn't work, yes. either in France or other places. <laughs> and let's look, um, let's take ourselves away from uh, the, 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 the kind of more local issues here in France, mm. but still regarding the, the Paris attacks in 2015. There were subsequent attacks in France, across Europe. 
let's just say in 2021, in mm. the past five, six years that have passed, mm. or you can say the last 20 years mm. since 9-11, how has international jihad evolved? I mean, uh, there's been massive state investment all mm. over Europe, all over the world, all mm. over America in surveillance, security. Even the people now who are on trial here in Paris, they were caught by their telephones, mm. by their networks, and by various mm. texts they were sending. So how has jihad evolved in the past few years? Well, many things happened in the past uh, 20, uh, 20 years. And as you say, jihad evolved and um, uh, legal measures evolved too. Mm. So jihad is adapted also their 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 uh, way of doing things to the measures that were taken by respective uh, respective governments. But if we if you we look at tendencies, okay? Mm. If you look at tendencies, we since 20 years still 9/11 is an exception and the attacks of Paris in the 13th of November are an exception too if we add maybe also the Brussels attacks which are done by the same crew actually sure. and those are exceptions mm. like uh, uh, putting up crews sending them to the target countries and make them evolve in those countries and get armed and, and fabricate explosive and attack their own countries and being them themselves Europeans for the 13th of November, this is really an exception. Yeah. So today it's very hard to put up crews like this of hardened fighters that are willing to go back to their countries and attack. But this, but the trend is is something else, like the Islamic State achieved what Al-Qaeda used to dream of, yes. meaning incite so many people to take up an action, a terrorist action in their own countries, either uh, citizens, residents, or refugees. You see, this is the trend today. It's less lethal than big attacks like 9-11 or the 13th of November, even if we can't even compare those two attacks, but still uh, less more, less casualties, but the political impact is still the same. Yes, indeed. It's like the uh, the um, ISK attack in Kabul airport uh, there a couple of weeks back. It was a small attack, but mm. with great impact. But the one question as well that I would like to ask is, with the evolution of these things, how are the funding channels working? How are the illicit funding channels, how have they evolved around or to get around these uh, increased well, surveillance? They, they, and they, adapt, they adapted and uh, the latest, uh, if my memory is, is good, the latest measures on fundings go back to 2017, I think, mm -hmm. where they tried to stop the, 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 the like, um, uh, funding from individuals mm -hmm. uh, to get to, to, to get to the Islamic State, for example. And it worked. But you have to know also that jihadi movements, either in attacks here in Europe uh, or an, on spot on, uh, on war zones, it doesn't cost much, you know? Yeah. It doesn't cost much, a so it's really easy. Is, is so it's really fail. easy to 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 put together uh, something. For example, the attack of Kabul that you that you mentioned. It's one uh, suicide attacker with an explosive belt that doesn't cost much. Mm. With the number of casualties that you that we we saw, with the panic that it caused, the shooting from the Taliban and from U.S. forces that hired even the score. Mm -hmm. You see, so there's the psychological impact, but. Uh, you have it's a fact it doesn't cost much 9-11 costed a lot but the 13th of November didn't and you have to know that jihadi movements they live on microeconomy yeah. in the places where they are. So it's small amounts of money that gather and make big amounts that permit them to uh, conduct their operations. And here's a bit of a curved ball uh, I'm throwing at you, Wasim. Uh, the former UK Prime Minister Tony Blair recently said uh, we should brace ourselves for another wave of jihadist attack, and that will be biological, it will not be suicide bombers, it will not be chemical. Does he have a point? 
Who can tell no, if it's going he, to be he, a Balayage attack? I don't know if he has a point, but actually what I can tell you, it's that uh, Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State, Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan mm -hmm. uh, at the time, and the Islamic State in Iraq a few years back, uh, tried to develop chemical weapons, but very low-tech chemical weapons with even you when they are used they make very low uh, casualties but you are talking about the psychological impact sure. you see so they are trying of course they are trying but they don't have because you can develop the weapon but you have to develop also the ability to deliver it mm -hmm. it's not enough to develop it in a lab uh, and in a very primitive lab and then it's another thing to put it on a plane and make it work and staying on the international theme there, mentioning Tony Blair over in the UK, the former British Prime Minister, but uh, um, Joe Biden uh, recently announced that there was the declassification of FBI documents mm -hmm. regarding 9-11 mm -hmm. and the tax. Mm -hmm. The main question on everybody's mm -hmm. mind was, were the Saudi government in Riyadh behind this? And what has come out is, mm -hmm. so, well, we have no proof. Mm -hmm. So was that the end of it? I think that actually uh, we can suspect that Al-Qaeda had sympathizers inside not the government but the establishment the saudi establishment and uh, funders but that that doesn't make the government responsible there was no government policy hmm. uh, to back al-qaeda i can remind you that uh, bin laden himself was stripped of his nationality and kicked out of he never was he wasn't able to go back to the country and uh, the saudis are like uh, number one partners of yeah. the americans uh, in anti-terror uh, operation either uh, in funding those operations the number one founder even on even on the religious level all the fatwas against jihadis but they come they came out of uh, out of saudi arabia mm -hmm. so it is easy to say that uh, we suspect the saudi government uh, but what is factually right is that Al-Qaeda had sympathizers. Yes. As other groups had sympathizers in other parts of the world with other governments but that doesn't make in my sense the, the Saudi government as a government or as a state responsible. There is no smoking gun in the government at Riyadh. Okay, one <laughs> final question, uh, Wasim, uh, before we go, uh, just bringing it back here to France. Uh, what do you believe, um, no matter what the outcome of the Paris trial here of the accused um, jihadists, uh, how will the decisions, do you believe, impact the radicalization of people here in France? And what does France, what is France going to get out of this trial in the end? Well, actually... To, to sum it up, uh, France or another country, uh, or another European or Western democratic countries mm. are doing what the United States uh, didn't want to do uh, actually at the time uh, by judging uh, terrorists or jihadis in uh, regular courts and not military courts, which will make this uh, process uh, it's a public process and it's a needed process in a democracy to see that we can judge even uh, terrorists and jihadis as individuals. Yeah. And this is, uh, I guess, the most important message uh, of it all, knowing uh, knowing that the United States didn't do it because, as you said at the beginning, there are the, the, the trials for uh, Sheikh Mohammed, it's a military trial. Yeah. It's not a regular... Different uh, rules. Yeah, it's, it's, voilà, it's, it's not in, in a regular court. That's on one hand. And on the other hand, you have, we have to remember, since we are talking of about 20 years uh, uh, back, that Western countries, starting the United States, uh, and even Israel, and European countries, and France particularly, are using drones to kill people. And operations. So this is extrajudiciary. So when you have the opportunity uh, to judge those people, well, in my humble opinion, as a democracy... You should. Okay.
Wasim Nasser, uh, journalist, broadcaster and author, thank you very much for being on Paris Perspective today. And thank you for tuning in to Paris Perspective. We'll be back in two weeks' time here on Radio France International.